coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. In recent years, an unsettling and controversial subject has been gaining attention. A concerning number of people have inexplicably gone missing from national parks and elsewhere. Over the past 10 years, former police officer and researcher David Politis has identified unique characteristics in these cases that produce an unusual pattern. But what does the pattern mean? And where did these people go? While recognizing the heartbreak left in the wake of the missing, on this episode of Belief Hole, we attempt to scour the furthest boundaries of our reality and open the unseen doors. While cross-correlating recent scientific discoveries in quantum physics with ancient tribal and fairy lore, we recount witness reports of real portals appearing from places as wild as remote wilderness to as familiar as your own backyard. Go for it, Mr. Peterson. Join us yes. as we endeavor to explore Missing 411 Portal Theory. Sasquatch, homunculus, alien races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, in. Jeremy. In. Close your door. What's the uh, inner Earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, magicians are demons, specters, spirit summonings, strange disappearances, sky whale phenomena, yes. alternative history, shadow people. Shh, quiet! I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. And Naki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. It. That's old. Y2K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Chris. And I'm John. And we are <laughs> the brothers of the Belief Hole. And today, boy, we have a fascinating episode for you guys. Yes, we do. A topic we haven't talked about in quite some time, but it brings us back to the roots the original beginnings of the show. And for those of you who aren't familiar out there with the missing 411 phenomena, or basically the idea of strange disappearances in general, there are definitely some attributes that are strange patterns that were identified by Mr. David Polites, who's at times a controversial figure. Can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I knocked my headphones out with my foot. Weird. <laughs> um, Anyway, I really like uh, David Politis on a personal level, even though I, I don't know him. But he seems like one of those guys you could just you could just talk to. Yeah, you know, I agree. He's like a salt of the earth type of man. Yeah, absolutely. I think we may have mentioned this in a past episode. There was like a brief kind of controversy whether or not he was padding some of his his material with cases that were actually solved or not following up with certain where certain details came to light that this person came back to the farmhouse, for instance, later on, and it wasn't that mysterious. 
But that's such a, it's such a hard kind of accusation. You don't know if there was something that was missed in this particular case, if there's actually sort of any kind of malevolent intent there. From everything I've read from people's own testimonies working with him who've lost a loved one, it seems like he combs over the, the details of the fine tooth comb and is very dedicated. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just want to throw that out there because people are kind of on different sides of the fence with David Politis and Missing 4 and 1. And that's kind of where I sit. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine when you're collecting that number of stories and, and trying to delve deep into what actually went on, especially when you're looking for information that's not being provided to you, at least easily, you're gonna, you might miss some things now and then on a, on a specific thing. It doesn't mean that you're out there maliciously avoiding yeah. facts of the case, especially if they come out later. That's my personal intuition is that he seems genuine. That's just the vibe I get. And he's obviously done a lot of great work. Yeah, I think so. I think he seems like he really cares about people. At least that's the vibe that I yeah. get. Plus, how can you not trust a man with a mustache like that? <laughs> it's a beautiful stash. Politis just sounds like a trustworthy name. Mm-hmm. And David, it's our father's name. That's my middle name. But yes, Jerry, you were talking about the patterns. Yeah, so he identified a handful of uh, nodes of truth, if you will. Odd circumstances in these missing cases that, that point to a pattern. A pattern leading to what? Well, we don't really know. Where are these people going? Are they getting taken? If so, how and why? So these are the questions, but the pattern that he pointed out, and we've talked about this in, in the past. Uh, if you haven't heard our very first season, we talked about Missing 4 and 1. It's archived for members now. But we did talk about it last season, so check out our archive. Oh, and if you're new to the show, quick disclaimer, we, we take this very seriously. People have gone missing, and it's tragic and horrible, and we, we do really feel for the families. Our show is three brothers, so we're going to goof around and laugh, but in no way does that mean we don't take the subject seriously. Yeah, no laughter at people. Right. Just uh, some of the, obviously... Just we, at ourselves. Just at ourselves. Because we look at some of the more extreme possibilities that relate to the topics we cover on the show, sometimes it gets a little strange and sometimes it's yeah. kind of... It can edge on go- goofy at times. But I, also, I will say, because I, my, my mind leans towards the crazy corner, that's where my chair is in my room at all times, uh, I do entertain the more out there ideas, which can sound ridiculous and can sound like we're making fun of something or joking, but we're not. I genuinely think that there's a possibility to the portal theory. What was our last episode? Huh? What was the one before? The National Parks? Oh, yeah. Containment theory. Containment theory. Yeah, that's a great one. I imagine these kind of cross over, don't they? Like Absolutely. And that's a good point, John. I mean, if you look back at the sort of related episodes we did that were semi-related to Missing 411, we had National Parks, Containment Theory that Jeremy kind of coined. Um, we had Beyond Missing 411, Dark Fairies. That was a really fascinating episode. Yeah, connecting to fairy lore, which we'll do a little bit in this one, too. But this is portals. This is portal theory. Right, Jer? Yeah, this is the one side of it. Right. Um, so this is interesting. So just to mention, there are a few things that play into this that are these attributes of the, the phenomena. Um, when people go missing in these scenarios, some of those notes are like, tracking dogs inexplicably lose the scent. It seems like the person, they, they're tracking them and then somehow they just vanish from the face of the earth because there's just no scent anymore, which is very strange for that to happen. Sudden, this is really interesting, sudden inclement weather that appears, either right when the person disappears or right after. If suddenly a snowstorm rolls in when it was right. clear, a crazy amount of fog or rain, something that seems like it literally came out of nowhere. Well, could it have come from another world? A portal. That's an interesting part of this theory coming up here. People go missing and then they're found days or weeks later in the same spot that searchers have searched maybe five, six, a dozen, two dozen times, just sitting there. It baffles the people that are searching for him. So with that, 
that's just some of the attributes. I just wanted to kind of give you a brief setup for people who aren't super familiar with Missing 411, these strange disappearances. Yeah, and it should be noted that we're not we're not going to go into specific 411 cases on this episode. It's going to be cases where people experience specifically portals or portal-like phenomena and how that could relate to the Missing 411. But we're not going to get into the Missing 411 cases of people who didn't return. Exactly. Instead of doing where people came across things like portals in these areas where people are disappearing. And with that, we'll get into the episode here. Yeah, I'm excited, Jerry, because you said, you're, I think you're, you're going to be bringing up some recent technological portal advancements, right? Yeah, you wouldn't think that there's science when we're talking about Jerry O'Connell style slider portals, but there is some science that's been coming out that's really fascinating that we're going to touch on here. And I'll just say, this is, a, this is a great quote I came across in my research that I feel like gets us into the vibe of this episode and a lot of beliefful episodes. Beneath the tides of sleep and time, strange fish are moving. Ooh, I didn't like that. That's Thomas Wolfe. This just kind of sets the vibe of what is out there that we may not know of, that may not be on the map. Right, because we talk about this a lot when we're talking about more traditionally paranormal stuff, but it's, I think, fascinating to talk about this in the realm of this sort of living entities that are just beyond a membrane. Exactly. You know, not necessarily the dead, although sometimes that, that does correlate. Yeah. So as we get into these different accounts coming up here that kind of back up this idea of the portal explanation of the disappearances of people going missing in the woods and maybe even in suburbia. That's an interesting story we have coming up here. We'll present strange accounts and explore the obvious questions. Well, what evidence is there? Where do they lead if there are portals? Are they natural? Like, for instance, ball lightning or auroras, some sort of natural conjuring of nature. Some atmospheric phenomenon kind of thing? Yeah, depending on the, the mineral and the stone and energetic fields. Maybe there's something we just haven't identified yet that create natural occurring portals. So. We're going to talk about that. Or is it sinister? Is it a trap? You know, the Tim Marjenko, the lure, the trap. Is there somebody behind it or something behind it? And uh, as I touched on a moment ago, John, the inclement weather clue, I would call it, if we're considering portal theory, is the sudden appearance of this inclement weather surrounding a disappearance of somebody. People often report like strange fogs coming in, like immediately a storm just yeah. besets the search crew or, or right after the person disappears. No prediction of any bad weather. Is this strange weather actually entering our world through the same dimensional membrane that the disappearing person may have walked through. In other words, the gate opens, someone passes through accidentally, and at the same time, parts of that world slips into ours, which could be this bizarre weather seemingly coming out of nowhere at the same time the person disappears. Hmm. Is this a symptom of a possible portal? It's out there. But when we get some of these stories and get into some of the science, it's not impossible. And I would dare say it's something to consider. I was just going to say, I got excited because I was reminded of this book. When you're talking about atmospheric phenomena, what about the atmospheric phenomena of these strange glowing fogs and mist? That sounds familiar, right? Because we covered that in depth on an expansion episode last year. 40 and fog. 40 and fog, time slips. But what if the strange inclement weather that we hear about missing 401 cases Maybe it's not something dripping out from another dimension or another through a portal of some sort, but what if it's just a symptom of an effect that's occurring naturally, a gateway that's opening or whatever you want to call it. Like when we did, remember this book? Time Storms? Mm -hmm. Yes. That was a really fascinating read. Jenny Randall's, all these really incredible accounts with real people. I think it was published in the, I want to say 80s. I could be wrong about that, but, but all these where cars would hit these fogs in the middle of a forest road and then be lifted off the ground. People lose time. Well, we'll link that episode because it's fascinating, but it's so interesting because when you're talking about these portals in the inclement weather, 
with Missing 411, I just can't help but think about Time Storms. Yeah. Which is was Jenny Randall's really pretty incredible book. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Fantastic book. But why now? Okay, so why are we talking about Portals Now, Missing 411? Well, it's interesting because if you remember, John, episode 13 of The Belief Hole, we actually discussed this very topic. It came up off the cuff. I think we were talking about, oh, Skinwalker Ranch was the episode. And this was like late 2018, early 2019. And we were discussing different, I think there was a story with a portal and a Bigfoot, like climbing out of it in the, in the air. Oh yeah. Super bizarre story. Maybe we'll drop that sometime. It wasn't someone like on patrol at night on Skinwalker Ranch and saw this thing form and this hairy humanoid being kind of fall out of this portal that was glowing over the cow pasture. I remember that story. Yeah. And that's oddly similar to so many accounts of this connection with Bigfoot and portals, which is a, a kind of another topic, but we'll touch on it. But yeah, so we, we mentioned this way back in episode 13 and I had a clip. I'll probably drop it if we do just towards the end of the episode. But basically it's this story that made me first think of this idea of maybe there are portals. So maybe we'll play that later as like a flashback clip, but it was way back then that we were considering this idea. And now today we are recording this because just last week I got an email or we got an email, I should say, from a fellow by the name of Joshua LaRue. <laughs> That's weird. That was our last episode. Remember the, the guy, the sleepwalk murder case, the guy who murdered that guy in his sleep? Oh, the detective? His name was LaRue. Probably related. Synchronicity. Weird. Anyway, so he, he wrote to us about the portal theory, missing 411, bringing it up, because apparently he had a pretty insane portal story to share. A super vivid account of a, one kind of a possible portal that might explain some of these disappearances. So this guy, Josh, he's a researcher and budding author and he's writing a book about his own experiences with anomalous phenomena and started becoming really obsessed with the UFO phenomena, led him to missing four and one phenomena. And he started collecting stories from others. And uh, one day in late 2017, he was researching this stuff and he was watching a David Pleidy's interview with Coast to Coast on YouTube. And he was scrolling down through the comments and one of the comments catches his eye. I know what's doing this. I saw it when I was a kid. So naturally, his mind starts going crazy. And one thing leads to another. A week later, he's got the guy on the phone talking to him. He gets this incredible story that is a possible explanation. It's a witness account of something that happened. So this comes from what we'll call him John. That's the pseudonym that he gives him. And it's about him and his cousin, Tim. And this comes to us by way of Joshua LaRue. As a kid in the mid-90s, Pennsylvania... John would spend time in the country at his grandparents' house. His aunt, uncle, and cousins had a house adjacent to theirs. One day, John, his cousins, and a few other kids were playing manhunt in the fields and surrounding woods. As night begins to fall, the kids end the game and part ways. It's twilight still when John and his cousin, Tim, start trekking up the dirt road heading back in the direction of their parents' and grandparents' houses. What do you think's for dinner? John's cousin is a few feet in front of him, and by John's account, this is what happens. He watches as a, quote, black hole opens on the edge of the shrubs that line the dirt road. A pitch black outline of a person reaches out, grabs Tim, pulls him inside the black hole, and it immediately closes. In utter shock, John runs home to tell his parents and grandparents, They don't take him seriously and write it off as a game or a prank of some sort, sending him off to bed. Now that's enough. Go to bed, John. 
he awakes the next morning, still just as concerned. <gasps> Upon finding all the adults in the kitchen, aunt and uncle included, he near hysterically asks, quote, What happened to Tim? Where is he? To which the adults very nonchalantly reply that, quote, He's in the back bedroom, playing with your little brother. A few moments later, the two boys emerge from the back room. John is shocked, of course, and questions Tim about what happened to him. Tim acts as if nothing happened at all and beckons John to come outside and play. Come on, John. Let's go out and play. John, standing in the kitchen, confused, watches the boys run outside. As Tim gets to the threshold, he holds the door open, stops to look back at John, and smiles the most sinister inhuman smile that John had or would ever see. And off the play he went. The incident was never spoken about again. Creepy. Yeah, that visual is obviously pretty. So I wonder if he tried to ask him when he got older. That's a good question. Is that like a different someone walk in on him or something and like yeah I and mean, if you take this just as we are in the story at face value and you take it as a true telling it sounds like some sort of walk-in some sort of take her over maybe it's like that movie all of us or whatever or what is that movie called by jordan peele i didn't see that oh i didn't see that one us or something was it like pod people kind of thing like people being it's like replaced i actually didn't get through the whole movie but it it's basically like the exact replicas of them. Oh, okay. She was like a little girl and went in a fun house when she was like real little. She was by herself and got trapped and she ended up turning around and it was like an exact copy, but doing different stuff, like this evil version of herself. Freaky. And then later in life, she comes to her house with her family. That's just like the same exact family, except, but the opposite. Yeah. Duplicates. Evil doppelganger. Evil doppelganger. Yeah. That's a classic trope kind of idea. And it's interesting because it goes back to, I mean, this made me think of, like you guys were saying, the, the kind of idea of the replacement. What was the word you used? A walk-in? A Donald Sutherland um, body snatcher. Right. But in fairy lore, which is so connected with missing 411 or just strange disappearances of people in general and the idea of being taken to another realm, right? The fairy ring being the portal. Yeah, this reminded me so much of the changeling idea, being swapped, if you guys are familiar with that. Yeah, being swapped out. And what's really interesting is, you know, usually changelings, well, they're children, usually infants, but they can be children. I think maybe even adults have been replaced or taken at times, but essentially it'd be one of the ways you could tell if your infant was a changeling was they'd be like a more sickly version of them. There were signs of sickness, weakness, and some of this idea came from the idea that these are elderly fairies (laughs) that were being swapped with healthy children so that the elderly fairies would be coddled and taken care of until their time came to finally die, which is just kind of an interesting idea, but... That's very bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that the, quote, rational explanation for the changeling concept was because they were sickly, it was like... They didn't want to take care of them. Why is my child suddenly sick? They must have been swapped by a fae folk person, a fairy. Right. And there was, you know, of course, whenever you accuse someone of being a changeling or something else, it can lead to things like... I think there were like witch changelings and maybe during the witch trials where people were, you know, abused or killed for being accused of being a changeling. Anyways... All that to say, this is just kind of interesting because according to John, in the years that followed this, his cousin Tim would soon need a wheelchair and be in and out of hospitals and doctor's offices for various reasons, hmm. none of which could ever be diagnosed, which is just kind of interesting when you, when you think about the concept of a changeling, of being replaced with something that yeah. it may be, and I'm not saying that 
Tim is a changeling. Right. But it, it's an interesting situation to consider. You know, are people, we talk about people disappearing and we talk about missing people's cases, but is it possible that there are a lot of people being taken that we don't know about because they're replaced by something? Oh, they're taken and then returned. Mm-hmm. Much like it sounds like Tim was coming back with a sinister smile. Was something maybe attached to him in another realm that's living maybe inside him? Like, uh, I don't know, what's that movie? A symbiote, the symbiote idea with, um, what's the comic book movie? With Venom? Yeah, Venom. But the idea that like maybe that you become a host if you're taken into another realm and then brought back. But people didn't even know you disappeared. Anyway, there's all kinds of ways to go with this. I just thought that was a really interesting aspect to it and the connection with fairy lore. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but if you take like, you know, whether it's fairies or elves or or anything that, or jinn or something that's supposed to live in a reality that's just a little bit separate from our reality. Right. But if you think about it and you strip away the concepts of the folklore and the science fiction and you think about it just as a reality and take the names away from it that we, we have all these ideas wrapped around, you think about it as just a potentially a sort of people. Yeah that live very close by and maybe for some, some reason have access to entering our reality, but we don't have access to get there, at least intentionally. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. Scientists today are talking about that as far as what you would call a mirror world or the fifth dimension that is the, uh, they also call it the dark, the dark world and we're the light world. <laughs> what? And the only way that they can... How does the dark world feel about that? <laughs> they look at the possible existence of this by tracking what they call, I think they're called fermions. Or something, but basically they... That sounds familiar. They travel between the light and dark. It actually interacts with... It's the only thing that comes from the dark dimension that interacts with our light dimension. I think that's how they think it works, but it just reminded me of the idea of like a demonic realm or just a dark, heavier, negative vibrational realm that lives aside ours with these... uh, We talked about the imposter entities or the nightmare feeders that, you know, the succubus and incubus that feed on our energy. This, it seems like science is potentially pointing towards that kind of idea being a reality that's a possibility which is just really interesting yeah but hopefully not all these portals lead there because there's a lot of cases of portals leading to different places that aren't as terrifying i think nightmarish as some of that would suggest yeah no event horizons or i think we're getting to a really exceptional story at the end right where there's someone who falls into like a bigfoot dimension in russia right through like some watery yeah entrance in a glen or something that's going to be in the expansion oh okay awesome there's a mysterious uh gully it's just a, such a fascinating story. And I was doing research and looking into it and we'll get into all that in the expansion. But um, yeah, more cases like this, just more bizarreness and, and evidence for possibility of portals. Um, I have a real quick question relating to this story, Jer, just to wrap up this yeah. account. So did he ever, when remembering this, well, I don't know when he remembered it, when he's older or whatever, but did he ever ask his cousin, like, hey, you remember that time you like, you went into right, a portal did they talk about and it? then you had an evil smile? Like, did, that, did they ever have that conversation yeah. at Thanksgiving or something? I don't know. Um, I wrote back to Josh and I don't know. Josh, if you're listening now, hit me back. I know our emails go to junk spam folders sometimes. So I haven't heard back from Josh since he sent this in, but I would like to know more and get some follow-up. But yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, it's definitely possible that he just, depending on how close he was with Tim, how close they were, how long they communicated, or maybe something you didn't talk about. There are stories like this all the time where people, there's a girl who sees something similar as far as Portal and her friend was with her and she tried to bring it up and her friend's like, I don't like to think about it. Yeah. You know, I remember that. Was that one of our accounts? One of our listeners? Yeah, I think that's coming up in this episode. Okay. So let's move along here. Uh, let's get deeper into that portal. Yeah. So the other interesting thing to note here is that Josh actually points out as a footnote to the story is that uh, in Ancient Aliens, actually, season 13, episode four, you know, David Polites 
he makes it a point not to not to play around with conjecture of what could be doing this. Yeah. Keeps himself very objective, very straight, and doesn't align himself with any camps, you know, UFOs, strangers in the woods, feral people, you know. I think he's open to a lot of ideas, but he doesn't want to paint it in any certain way or align with any certain concept, which I think is smart. But Joshua noted that season 13, episode four of Ancient Aliens, Dave Plytus was actually on, and it's the first time he actually pointed to an idea that it seems like he is... What kind of backing... Yeah, backing at least in saying that it's definitely possible. He was basically said, like, I've talked with phys- uh, physicians, <laughs> doctors. I've talked with physicists who strongly believe in the reality of portals, not only that portals can exist, but that they can be controlled. So if there was some sort of design behind what's happening. Really? Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes, that episode. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he does seem like first time he's backing an idea. And this Joshua heard just months after getting this original story from John of an actual account of this Hmm. portal. So maybe there is really something to this. So this is really interesting. I was just doing some research and trying to see if there's any science behind portals existing. Do scientists believe today that there is evidence? Could there be portals flopping around us at different times and us not even being aware of them? Is it something we can control? In 2012, NASA announced that a physicist, I think he was from University of Iowa, Jack Scudder found hard evidence of portals created by the interaction between the Earth's magnetosphere and the Sun's magnetosphere. They call them X-points, or electron diffusion regions, but they also refer to them as portals. Now, these are places where the magnetic field of the Earth would connect. There's actually a quote from NASA, NASA NASA.gov. They say, they're places where the magnetic field of Earth connects to the magnetic field of the Sun, creating an uninterrupted path leading from our planet to the Sun's atmosphere. 93 million miles away. So practically instantaneous travel. Now, right now, it's important to note that so far, this instantaneous, almost like Stargate portal type situation uh, is just been observed with electrons that can actually travel across these portals. You'll see them, they'll make aurora-like displays in the sky and can create magnetic storms near the Earth's poles. So they obviously have a major effect. Now, how many of these forces, Earth forces, are we just now becoming aware of that could create opportunities for things like this to occur. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well, and the, the portal idea, I mean, they weren't sure they were going to be able to study this because they're so erratic. That's one of the fascinating things about this. They appear and disappear. There's a quote by NASA, quote, Observations by NASA's Themis spacecraft and Europe's cluster probes suggest that these magnetic portals open and close dozens of times each day. And Scudder, the scientist we mentioned earlier, says, quote, Magnetic portals are invisible, unstable, and elusive. They open and close without warning. Essentially, they, they're unpredictable, they're hard to track, but they are now able to do it. They thought it was going to take like years, and it ended up taking them, I don't know, under a year to develop basically spacecraft that act as a network uh, in the sky, in the magnetosphere. And then once one of these spacecrafts detect a portal to the sun, all of the others synced up in the network in the sky of these different crafts. They all simultaneously identify these portals so they can then study them in the moment because they don't last very long. What? Yeah. So now we're tracking portals in the sky. So these are, are these like satellites that we have that do this that are syncing up? When you say spacecraft. They refer to them as spacecraft. Interesting. So I imagine some kind of floating satellite with Matt Damon in them. The best kind. So here's the question. I mean, these are just electrons being observed right now, but could this discovery be the key to uncovering? the function of some of these legendary portals, like the portals we've seen on Earth, or at least in, in cultures talking about portals. Right. How you can pass through walls or 
you know, gateways and old, like ancient stone civilizations with, oh, there's a famous case that maybe we'll get to in the expansion of this. Oh, where the, the carved out, that looks like it would be some science fiction doorway. Yeah. It's like, yeah. The, I think it's called the gateway to the gods or something, yeah. but it's the, a door to nowhere. And in, in the center of it is like this key shaped indent where you would stick something. And there's like a story that goes back. It's like a threshold. Yeah. There's a legend about it, about opening a gateway there, a stargate essentially. Yeah. Let's do that in the expansion. Um, but it doesn't sound so impossible anymore. And that's, what's crazy. We're talking about stuff in the magnetosphere and up in the sky but is it possible that similar portals could exist here on the ground? Maybe people stepping in and out of them in the national parks disappearing. Is it capable of transporting people? Kind of goes back to your, your containment theory idea that maybe there was parts of, at least in the United States, that were being discovered to be anomalous right. at, at a higher rate that they would maybe decide to sort of quarantine these areas and have control over them. Because if you go back and check out our episode on that, we talk a lot about how certain areas are designated where you, you can't even use even the people that run the park system or are working within it can't use motor machinery. power machinery. Wilderness areas. There's all these strange cases that you hear. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's such a good point because, yeah, if, if you had a space that you came across a piece of land where there were a large number of people going missing or this kind of phenomenon that maybe you do identify, maybe they identified people slipping in and out of this world, essentially, or these holes, these pockets of space-time that are created in the zone because of the magnetics in the stone the something about the area a lot of these take place a lot of clusters of missing people happen near volcanoes is there something about the natural geology of these areas that we we haven't quite identified or at least the public isn't supposed to know about the danger or the the possible opportunity of these portals and what they represent and maybe that's why they closed down the parks to full public access or private development yeah that's a whole other conversation but yeah i thought it was interesting one thing to note about these stories a lot of them will mention a shimmering. Glimmer man. Glimmer man, exactly. <laughs> Brings a whole, whole other uh, meaning to the, the term glimmer man. Think about it that way. Shimmer man? Like a shimmery. shimmery. I think some people do call him shimmer man. Isn't glimmer man, doesn't he shimmer? Yeah, he's or like, does, or is I guess glimmering he and shimmering all that different. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a great point. He was definitely glimmering and not shimmering. <laughs> I saw a glimmer man once, but he shimmered. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't a glimmer man. <laughs> yeah, they have the predator invisibility cloak. Yeah, I guess when That's I hear what glimmer, refer to it as either when I hear glimmer or shimmer, I think of like glitz and glam, which isn't the, usually the description of the, the glimmer man. The diamond glimmered. Yeah, in P Diddy's ring. <laughs> P Diddy, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Um, Kanye ate him. Anyway. So, John, you probably have heard of this guy. I'm just going to briefly mention this because it's real out there. Do you know who Andrew Di Basaggio is? Or Basiago? No. Project Pegasus? Oh, yeah. I mean, that sounds familiar. Does that connect to Corey Good? Kind of. I mean, Well, it... he apparently was a whistleblower for Project Pegasus and allegedly traveled through Stargate portals for the last 40 years. He says that the military has developed, this is interesting, Tesla-based quantum teleportation using these portals since going back to the 1970s. I mean, that would line up with the, Mon the crazy Montauk stuff with that time period. Yeah, for sure. Philadelphia experiment. And this, allegedly, Nikola Tesla alluded to something of this nature. He developed a, and I was trying to find this everywhere, anywhere. If anyone has any evidence of this, please send it to me. But he allegedly developed a, quote, teleportation machine, which formed a, quote, shimmering curtain. Well, there you go. Now, shimmering curtain, all these witness accounts in the wilderness or in the backyard of a shimmering screen, shimmering portal, what have you, that apparently allow people to disappear or teleport. 
it's just kind of interesting connection, even though, you know, obviously take that with a grain of salt. Andrew D. Basiago, I'm not sure how much evidence he has. I think he did run for president in 2016, but interesting fella. But he, he claims that, that you'd enter this, quote, vortal tunnel, and it would send him to his destination. The other teleportation devices included a, quote, plasma confinement chamber in New Jersey and a jump room in El Segundo, where Q-Tip left his wallet from a trap <laughs> called Quest. But... <laughs> That's a good song. Cool joke, bro. Thanks, man. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Oh. Anyways, but the, yeah, that shimmery, there's so many little, just little connections to, you know, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a mohill, but uh, I just thought the shimmering is interesting because that comes up multiple times. And I think it does appear in our following story here, John. And this one is for you. This comes from a nice gal I met on Reddit, actually. I talked to her. She had posted the story in Glitch in the Matrix subreddit. And interestingly, her username is Masquerading Muppet. Ooh. Isn't that weird? weird? Since we've done the imposter entities yeah. and the imposter Muppets. Yeah, that is strangely unique to our show. So this is an experience that happened to her, and maybe it'll give a, a little clue of what's out there. And this may not have been a full-fledged portal, if it was a portal at all, but it's definitely something I think an anomalous, and it just it inspires some interesting questions. Hi, I'd like to ask if anyone else has had an experience like this. I've had a handful of weird things happen in the woods in the years I've been camping. This one and one other experience have both stuck with me a lot. So this happened in September 2017 in the Kettle Moraine State Forest in Southeast Wisconsin. Two friends and I decided to do a last minute camping trip before the end of summer and classes getting into full swing. I was going into my grad school year and my two friends were going to be seniors. None of us had been drinking when this happened. We set up camp and decided to go for a hike along the Ice Age Trail that ran next to the campground before it got too dark. We didn't leave with a specific plan in mind, but found a loop trail and continued on that. This section of the woods had trails that were on top of a ridge, so there were steep drop-offs on either side. Not like you'd die if you fell, but pretty steep, 20-foot hill drop more like, so you really can't go off trail. So the trail is probably four to five miles, and by this point we're going on our last mile, and the sun is setting. We didn't realize we'd take this long, so none of us even have our headlamps with us. But that's fine since we guesstimate we only have about another mile left or so. We round a small corner, and the trail ahead has trees arching from either side of the path overhead, creating a doorway almost. That wouldn't be a big deal except for the fact that the area of this doorway was shimmering. Almost like when you drop a stone in the water and it ripples and sloshes a bit. We all stopped and one of us said something along the lines of, Am I dehydrated or does that look weird? That's the best way I can describe it at least. We all saw it, but there was no turning back at this point. We only had maybe 30 minutes of daylight left. Finally, one of us, I think it was me, but I don't recall for certain, stuck our arm through. Nothing happened. It still looked the same, shimmering like water or heat off blacktop on a hot day. We all walked through and were fine, seemingly. We joked for a few weeks that we stepped into an alternate universe. I'm only friends with one of the friends now, and a few years later, I brought it up to her, and she'd just say she didn't want to think about it. 
It didn't impact me that way. I just thought and still think it was odd. Anyway, I've heard of stairs in the woods, but we can't be the only ones to encounter a portal in the woods. Weird has anyone else encountered? I've heard this. I've heard these sort of stories before too, where it's like, it looks like some, whatever it is, and nothing seems to happen. But then I, sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder like with the Mandela effect aspects of life that people seem to experience. Does it happen? We've all sort of experienced like, yeah. are you sure that we didn't, that people aren't just wandering once in a while through something where they enter another yeah. parallel dimension that's just like slightly different from the one they were born in? Let's just refer to these from now on as Mandela doors. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing happens except it's you go into a place that's slightly different. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no Alvin Chipmunk. I feel like that description of the portal, the way she talks about it with water mm-hmm. and the rippling, it kind of does. It, I mean, this is not the same thing, but it, it reminded me a lot of the UFO that I saw. Oh, with the oh, lights, yeah. watery, kind of shimmery. Like almost, you said like a mag, glowy magma kind of like rippling. Yeah, but it kind of had the same elusive portally vibe too like almost like a liquid yeah like magma i guess oh, it's interesting if you think about it, if you think about it, in your case john if whatever these lights are somehow part of their power a power source it's a distortion of a field right so this doorway would also be a distortion of a field so maybe you're seeing similar visual representation of that distortion you know right some similar technology or something mm-hmm. exactly maybe yeah they're using a technology that utilizes whatever this even if this is a natural phenomena that she encountered, right. they're using the same tech. That's why you get, and it's funny that's watery because there's so much connection in cultural lore in different belief systems about, like we talked about before, water and watery areas, marshes and things like that being that kind of a uh, transient liminal space between realms. This is like a classic belief yeah. in a lot of indigenous beliefs. It's just interesting that water always has that context, even in the sense of maybe a technology. Stargate. Yeah, we... Oh, we went pretty deep into that on our Barricading the Boogeyman episode, spirit architecture talking about boundaries with water and yeah, really interesting stuff with the geology. Didn't we do some stories with like across the river sort of? That was the like one, the John. water boundary. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? That was the one, Barricading the Boogeyman, where there was specifically in different cultures. Oh, that was? Barricading the Boogeyman. Like seeing people on the other side of the yeah. river sort of thing? Mm-hmm. That was the same barricading the boogeyman? Oh, weird. Yeah, because it was spirit architecture. So the whole concept we were trying to look into was this really interesting idea that like what, what different cultures use and what the connections are between different cultures around the world. And when you talk about whether it's water or whatever, but being barriers to keep spirits out or keep them in. And one of them, the one, that one specifically, John, I believe was, it was a Native American tribe that would bury their dead on an island within a river because the dead couldn't come back. Yeah. The spirits of the dead couldn't pass over that water boundary. It was really fascinating. What's so interesting about that, there's this a fascinating story. Someday we're going to do like um, maybe Inuit legends or dark, dark worlds of the Great North or something. But there's this one story. Basically, they'd have a group of men in the tribe who would stand guard at night and then they'd listen for a mimic type entity. I forget what it is exactly. Oh, wow. We'll have to dig into this. But if they would hear something like that coming, they would all get in their toboggan canoes or boats and go to like the nearest island because it couldn't cross the water. But they would stand guard at night waiting. (laughs) So interesting because you hear stories about like little people on shorelines being seen from the water. Hmm. There's Mm -hmm. always an edge boundary thing going on. This is interesting. Fascinating stuff. Well, I think it's a good time for a quick little break. We're going to enter that portal to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) And when we come back, open your portal and drain the lizard. Okay. <laughs> Train the interdimensional reptilian. All right, guys. And when we come back, yeah, we're going to get into some really interesting, I know John loves Boogfoot, 
Boogerfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> There's a couple of really interesting short Bigfoot anecdotes accounts that tie him with the portal phenomena. And I have an interesting theory about that that I call arrivals and departures theory. So that's coming up. We have some other fascinating stories, including gnomes and uh, other bizarre phenomena related to this portal theory. So stick around, guys. Oh, yeah. What's coming up in the expansion, Jerry? More, more of this, but more wild, right? And deeper. Yeah. In this break, you guys, you'll hear a clip from the expansion episode, which is even more insane, bizarre stories, just as fascinating. And we're going to be discussing, among other bizarre stories, strange people appearing inside portals, alluding to who might be behind some of these, using this technology, potentially. Uh, portals to Sasquatch land. We're going to be breaking down and digging into this fascinating, mysterious area called the Golosov Ravine in Kolomenskoy Park in Russia. But just such a bizarre area that things have been reported from shaggy people of enormous growth to people disappearing, groups of people disappearing for years at a time and reappearing years later instantaneously. And, and these stories go back to the 1800s, 1600s. There's news accounts in this anomalous area. So we're going to be digging into that. This place sounds crazy. The mysteries there, we're going to tell stories of mountains that can bend men other weird portal disappearances with unsettling attributes. So it's going to be fascinating. Uh, please to enjoy this expansion preview. One more thing. If you guys are on YouTube, give us a like. It's one way that really helps us absolutely get our show out there. We don't, we can't grow unless you guys give us a thumbs up. So if you're a repeat listener, give us a thumbs up. Yeah. And tickle that little bell icon. So you get notified when we drop. Yes. When we drop our premieres where you can hang out with us and chat while we watch the episode. All right, guys, we'll see you after the break. Access granted. I picked up a rock and threw it into the center of the portal. And it disappeared. Then a massive round glow of energy expanded around the circle. And then it vanished, leaving a scorched round circle. I believe that these portals are traps sent from another dimension for some unknown reason. When I threw the rock, it was pulled in fast, once it was about three feet from it. So I wonder if these portals are behind all the unsolved missing people that vanish in national parks. Maybe there are traps just like traps we set when we want to study an animal on our planet. Or are they traps set for food from some unknown entities? Welcome back from the break. Hi. Hello. Welcome to be here. I hope it was enjoyable for you as it was for us. And if you liked what you just heard in the expansion clip, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but go to Bleeful.com and click on the big red join the expansion button. Access granted. You get access to all of our bonus episodes, which are just as produced, just as lengthy and loving, as well as our first season archive and many, many more wonderful things. Yes. So check that out. Link in the show notes. So... Coming off of that great story from Masquerading Muppet, I don't know her real name. I don't think I asked. Um, again, we have the shimmer, right? The shimmering curtain, the shimmer effect. We talked about your experience, John, and the shimmer. That was an unexpected little addition to this episode. That kind of connection, corroboration there, just a similar experience. It's interesting, too, because a lot of these stories you'll hear will be a portal, per se. We'll just use that term. In the woods, 
or in nature or, or somewhere in a remote area, just abandoned seemingly. Like it's just sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, no one's coming in or out, but you approach it. It's almost like someone left the gate open. Ah, that's a burbs quote. Well, is it sinister? Did someone leave a gate open? Did they create this or is it just a natural occurring portal doorway Yeah, to the, the realm next door? So this next little anecdote, which will lead us into the next section of our, of our episode and the connection with these hairy bipedal creatures maybe coming from maybe being our neighbors next door beyond the gateway. Or one of many next door neighbors. Or one of many, just one possible opportunity. Uh, this comes from Mount Hood, Oregon, 1989. A farmer near this location saw a big shimmering raindrop-shaped area, six to seven feet in diameter, apparently hovering over the ground. It looked like a shimmering drop of water. He could see clear through it. All of a sudden, a Bigfoot-type creature stepped out of the object and ran into the woods. As you would do. Said bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. So is this where they're coming from is the question. I've heard this a lot, the theory of the, the portal. Mm-hmm. Yes, Skinwalker Ranch, like I said, we did that episode where we, we had that very similar account. Eyewitness seeing a hairy thing squeezing out of a hole in the sky. It's so bizarre, but <laughs> this is a strange combination. The world is littered with these stories. Yeah. Which is very odd. We'll have a lot of these linked in the show notes. But again, the shimmering, the drop of water, which is interesting because of that. Yeah, again, the lim- liminal space the water creates between worlds, according to ancient lore, there's just so much to unravel there. Yeah. But it's also interesting because as I was doing research about portals and what, quote, science or the mainstream science of today thinks about the real, possible reality of portals and wormholes and the like, what they would look like. And it's interesting because one person said that, of course, a wormhole wouldn't appear like a flat doorway. It would appear like a bubble, like a, almost like a drop of water or raindrop. That's interesting because you 3D hear... 3D little- rather than... You hear that a lot in the time storms cases, a lens shape is said a lot, which mm-hmm. I imagine to be like a contact lens sort of thing where it's a con- concave, convex, sort of bu- bubbling out. That's, so that's interesting that it is, that is a pattern of a, of a look yeah. to some of these things, whether it's in the air from a pilot or on the ground by a hiker. Right. Yeah. This lens. And these different accounts, some flat, shimmery, some more bubulous, if you will, bubulous. could just, could just be different types of gateways of portals being conjured in different fashions with different methodologies or natural occurring phenomena. All kinds of ways to slip in out of this world, apparently. But anyway, so this brings me to that idea. I was thinking about, you know, people have said that the missing 411 clusters, if you will, in national parks around the country, they align with clusters of the big feet. And so this leads to the theory, well, big foot, big foot, big feet, what is the plural? Big, big foot eye? Big foot. Bigfoot. Yeah, that's right. It's like deer. Bigfoot. Or Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Or Bitcoin. (laughs) The combination of Bigfoot and Missing 401 makes people think, okay, well, the Bigfoot, or the Bigfoot, that sounds so weird to say, are taking people. Uh, When we we have reported stories like that going way back into the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Who covered those? Um, Like the old ones, old timey. Right. But does it account for all these, you know, many of these missing people? Maybe. But I would posit another theory if we're seeing portals, if that's a possible reality, and we're seeing plenty of anecdotal witness testimony of these hairy, large humanoid creatures going in and out of these portals. What if instead of big feet, <laughs> Bigfoot taking people and running up into the mountains or underground, what if they're just using the doorway to get to our world? And while that doorway is open, some unlucky hiker travels back out. Just wanders through. 
Yeah, they just left the door open. Totally by accident. So you see clusters of Bigfoot appearances, you see people disappearing, it's just because they're falling accidentally through to the other world. Like that's, that's a possibility. I would call this the arrivals and departures theory. Bigfoot aren't stealing people, they're just not very careful with their technology. That's one possible idea. If it's, or they're taking them back through. Right. As this being one suspect that could be responsible. Obviously, obviously there's like other possibilities. Obviously, yeah. there's many. Obviously, we should say people go missing and are found later, fell into a crevice. No, know. I meant besides just Bigfoot. I mean, there could be other things. If, other Fordian. That's one possible. There's only one thing that could possibly <laughs> ever be as Bigfoot. <laughs> just the that's big true. guy. He is all things. He is an alien. He is all phenomena. He's a ghost. It is interesting and I'll let you go on to the next thing, but specifically the Bigfoot thing. I was looking, there's a chapter on portals from that book where the footprints end by Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin, where they talk about- Oh yeah, great book. I'll mention this in the expansion too, but it gets into this this concept of bends and- Oh, tree bends? Not just tree bends, but um, bends, twists, circles, these things that are created in the forest, but how they oddly enough connect to a type of folk magic that's used to create portals. Really? Specifically- in their example, it's portals to speak with the dead who are in this other dimension, but the same thing, bending sticks, putting sticks and figures in the forest to create these portal ways, which is interesting because a lot of these, obviously, Bigfoot experiences, you come across these alleged shapes mm-hmm. in the forest. We'll get deeper into that in the expansion, but I just thought it was kind of an interesting connection that they made. And also the story we just heard from Masquerading Muppets, right? Her experience, it was like two trees almost bending together. Right, exactly, yeah. Where the shimmery curtain mm-hmm. fell between or this watery space. It's fascinating. It's interesting. All right, Chris, you want to read the next one here? Sure. This is a strange construction, we call it. And this comes from Red Canyon, Sedona, Arizona, 1989. Same year as the previous story and very similar experience. Where are these cases from, by the way? Where'd you get? So the last, last case came from the WBS Alien Report, volume one, number two of alleged actual encounters and witness testimony. Uh, and this next one actually comes from uh, Tom Dongo, which is an awesome name. Tom Dongo, down on the farm. I think he was the one that brought out the Bradshaw Ranch story, which we should do at some time. But he, really cool book called Mysteries of Sedona, book two, The Alien Tide, where he basically just interviews tons of local people, gets actual encounter stories, original testimony, and I can't find his book anywhere. I guess you could probably buy it on Amazon. but That's a weird synchronicity because Tom Dongo came up in the chapter... In the other book that I was reading, the Where the Footprints in Volume 2. Really? He mentions Tong Dongo and Bradshaw and quotes from that book. Maybe it's the same book that you were trying to find. That was Alien Tide by Tom Dongo, but yeah. Well, apparently he co-authored a book with Bradshaw from Bradshaw Ranch, the woman who yeah. owned that property. Linda, I think. Linda Bra- Anyway, just interesting. Like, what are the chances? I've never heard Tom Dongo's name before that I can recall. And then you happen to come across him in your research. I did as well. Well, he's probably the preeminent reporter of Bigfoot portal stories. That would be my guess. Well, there you go. Probably why we came across him. All right. Please do read. Strange Construction. A man touring a property under construction in a sparsely populated area encountered something that looked like a portal or a window suspended in midair. Near the portal stood several nine-foot-tall, hairy Bigfoot-type creatures that appeared to be standing guard. The witness did not hang around and left the area. Now that's interesting. It sounds like Bigfoot, Big Feet, got their act together and started actually watching the portal. <laughs> Maybe so no one slips through. Randy! 
What are you doing? You sleeping on the job? There's a man over there. You gotta watch the portal, Randy. I hope Big Feet just have like modern American human names like Randy and Chuck. <laughs> Donovan. Skyler. <laughs> Skyler the Bigfoot. Skyler. He's enrolled at the nearest prep school. Tristan. Tristan, the, uh, the self-entitled Sasquatch. I'm tired of watching the portal, Dad. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so many good names that work for Bigfoot. All right. Okay, so there's one more question. Well, there's many more questions, but one of them I'd like to pose is, how many different groups of things might be beyond the portal, right? If it's natural, it's natural. But if it's designed, if it's being used at times Mm. by groups or entities, what might they be? We talked about the hairy men from the Underland, and that is going to be amazing in the expansion, that story from Russia and the gully there that's full of crazy accounts. That's going to be fascinating. But what else? Well, we have this connection with boulders, right? Did you mention that, Chris? The missing four-in-one boulders? I know you're going to, you wanted to say something about that. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, well, when you were talking about the refresher of the, the patterns, one of them was boulder fields, where a lot of these cases happen where, yeah, there's strangely boulder fields in the area or directly part of the missing region. Right. So, yeah, that's fascinating, especially if you tie it into, we've talked about before, we did dark fairies, obviously, boulder fields. Iceland, I think specifically with elves. Exactly. Scandinavia areas where they will build roads around mm-hmm. boulders and boulder fields because of the idea that they're the homes of fairies and the fae, elves and the Nisa or what have you. Yeah. What properties, certain rock have we, and we talked about that recently, if it was our True American Hauntings episode, we talked about Gettysburg and the granite, large granite boulders there that have come up from out of the earth. And there's so many stone tapish sort of hauntings out in that area Yeah, from the old world. Well, you're about to hear a story that kind of maybe hints at that supernatural, paranormal, just bizarre reality beyond the stone of something else, something, yeah, going back deeper to our, personally, our family tradition, going back to Scandinavia and the idea of the fairy and the gnome and the the dwarves. This I call man-stealing dwarves from the world beyond stone. And this comes from Southeast New York, spring of 1992. And this takes place at 2 a.m. in the morning. Several individuals belonging to an organization that conducts paranormal research were at a reservoir road one night when they began to hear what they described as a buzzing sound. The noise seemed to be coming from a section of the road located near some stone chambers. One of the members of the group, a male in his late 50s, started walking toward the noise. The other members of the group tried to keep their flashlights trained on him as he slowly walked into the darkness. Off to the right was a large outcrop of rock, and he could still hear the noise and was sure that it was coming from inside the rock. As the others watched, they tried to call out to him because they had difficulty seeing him. Eddie! We can't see you anymore! As there was some type of distortion around the area. As he stood and stared at the rock, he went into a hypnotic, dreamlike state and was unable to move. As he watched the rock, it started to shimmer and it looked like a circle of blue water. Then out of the portal that had formed in the rock, three dwarf-like hooded beings walked out. Weird. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. The being slowly walked towards him, and even though he was scared, he was unable to move. The three beings surrounded him, and then all at once grabbed a hold of him. They started pulling him toward the rock, and although his companions called out to him, he now felt very calm and wanted to go. Then he realized what was happening and began to awaken from his trance-like state. He was still unable to break free from the dwarfs and was now being forcibly dragged to the portal in the rock. As the others ran down the road, they shined their lights on the beings. This seemed to frighten them and broke their grip, ran up the hill, merged with the rock, and disappeared. Insane. <laughs> that sounds just like we did that. Was it a listener stories episode recently where the guy was in the truck and those hooded beings that were small in stature oh, yeah. surrounded the truck? Remember that? Mm -hmm. That was, I think that was like a dream, wasn't it? One was, uh, I think the person was awake and the other person in response to it said that they had a shared dream, he and his wife, while camping in the same region of these dark hooded figures. Yeah. Really weird connection. But then if you go back to, I think, maybe our first or second season, that listener story, I always forget who this is. But he was in his bedroom and he had basically these hooded gnome type things with dirty faces appearing in his room. Yeah. Coming out of like the flower pot mm -hmm. and like the floor through maybe a portal. Yeah. With with the hood. The one in the field had like a cloaked hood. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that Guerrero del Toro? Oh yeah. Cabinet of Mediocrities. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think we talked about that before. But did you see the one with that weird 70s vibe and that like, yeah. rock thing? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. At the end. That was a cool kind idea. It reminds me of this. Yeah. It's sort of like this rock that shows up and they're like kind of just mesmerized by it. And then it, not the, quite the same ending. No. Right. But, but yes, that kind of mysterious. Yeah. That was probably the one that I liked. Although it took forever to get to the end. It was I like know. they were filling time. It was time. way too long. The vibe was really weird though. It was yeah. definitely weird the way they shot it. The, sh the imagery and music were, yeah. were really cool. I felt like they had seen Mandy and they're like, let's do that, but with a rock yeah. in a room. I think they just, it worked great as like a short film or a short story, but it was, it had to be stretched for a whole episode and yeah. it was just kind of like more slow talk. You could have cut out 20 minutes of mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But great concept. Yeah. Anyways, it just reminded me of like a rock. And, it's, yeah. yeah, it's that interdimensional feel, that like otherworldly consciousness. Yeah. It's very like, yeah, Lovecraftian kind of feel. Exactly. Interesting story though. So uh -huh. it's, we've, we've now discovered it's not just Harry Bigfoot, obviously. It's also some black hooded dwarf, like people that share uh, our interdimensional neighborhood. Robed, yeah, hooded dwarves. Um, then again, you get the shimmering. Mm -hmm. The distortion in the field. Also a descriptor in the story that creates that portal. Yeah, field distortion. Yeah, I wonder what those, we talked about earlier, the NASA, the portals in the magnetosphere. Mm -hmm. I wonder what those, quote, distortions look like. You know, what if they are shimmery? What if there's a kind of connection? Well, the one we covered in Time Storm sounded very similar, although it was a greenish, almost electrical field that was creating the tube within that cloud in our Time Storms episode on the expansion. Oh, right. Which, by the way, I have one at the end of the episode from that book. Okay, well, let's knock out these last couple here. Also, the buzzing sound was mentioned, and that's a thing you hear before... A lot of Freudian experiences, mm -hmm. much like the Oz effect. At times, there's just this buzzing mm -hmm. that grows. And apparently, I mean, maybe it is a trigger for the actually opening of a portal, at least from the dimension of the dwarf-like robed entities. Very strange. Speaking of strange, this short anecdote here is going to tie back into Joshua's account. And it, I think it lends to the possible reality of a shadow realm or where shadow people might come from. This is called Strange Visitor, Portals to the Shadow Realm, 
Shadow People Doorways. Pick a title, whichever you prefer. This happened in Norwood, Massachusetts, May 12, 1990. This comes from researcher and author Michael Lindemann. Jack Malacari was busily washing a rug. As he did, he kept seeing a bright flash of light flashing through the window. Then there was another bright flash of light, and this time the light remained on. Something resembling a doorway of light or a portal then appeared in the middle of the floor. It opened, and a man-like silhouette appeared. Malakaria heard a voice in his head. He received some brief information, then the portal and figure disappeared. But as he kept working, the voice kept talking to him in his head. He was apparently told that there were at least 170 different types of alien groups visiting the Earth. He was to have no further contacts. That's a weird afternoon, I would imagine. <laughs> Definitely out there. So wait, so a guy appears, a shadowy figure appears while he's cleaning his rug, and then it tells him there's a lot of alien races. Through a portal in the floor. Yeah. And he says, goodbye. You will have no further contacts. <laughs> Good luck fitting in with it. Yeah. the rest of the world. Weird. What struck me about this was the, you guys remember Josh's story from earlier. Josh referred to the thing he saw as a pitch black outline of a person. Right. The shadow sort what of. What does that sound like? Mm-hmm. It sounds like a silhouette, which is exactly how it was described, this thing coming out of the hole in this story from Massachusetts. And they happen both in the 1990s. I just found that really interesting. Yeah. Same description. Is this kind of a, a clue to what the shadow realm is like? Or at least if there are shadow, we see you know shadow people all the time are reported. Um, if you take stock in that, where do they come from? Where do they go? Where do they come from? Ask Cotton Eye Joe. Maybe the shadow realm. Maybe that's why there's this connection, this pattern you see with these shadows yeah. and these portals. Just fascinating. There's so many different directions you can go. Yeah, and since we were talking about possible suspects of people behind these portals, this actually just works out really well. Our last tale for the evening, one of the most bizarre accounts that I've come across, and this is from Jenny Randall's book, Time Storms. If you can find a copy, get yourself one. This is a great little pocket book of fascinating. And the cool thing about this is they're all real people with, um, you know, they have full names. They were uh, not anonymous when they were interviewed by Jenny in the past several decades to tell these stories of these strange times from experiences. This one is probably one of my favorites. Uh, it's called the Medway Helicopter. And this happened in Medway, UK in 1980. Did we read this one? Did we do this one? Because I, it sounded like, I, it's one that I thought we had done, but I looked through our timestamps and old Google Docs and I could not find head nor tail of this tale. Yeah, I remember doing the sound design for this one. She goes to a store or something and... Yeah, she gets some peas. I thought that we did it. If we did it, we'll just drop the old one in. Okay, so we found the old original uh, telling of this tale. <laughs> yes, we did indeed find the original recording, and it's from the expansion. Yes, this comes from our expansion episode, Glitches in Reality, Bizarre Tales of Broken Time and Space. A classic, so definitely check it out. Yeah, and uh, while... <laughs> And yeah, it was an older expansion episode, so... Uh, yeah, a little more tangenty, a little more, we're a little more free in the expansion to tangent as well and have a good time, so, so we hope you enjoy that. It's fun and it is a classic tale. Edith Sage, a mother of three from the Medway area of Kent, on 4th of August, 1980, 
A warm sunny afternoon, she was walking to the local corner shop to get some peas. Then at 4.50 p.m., as she was walking down a small alley, quote, out of the corner of my eye, something in the sky made me jump. It was like a smoke ring going round and round, but sort of sparks coming out of the edge of it. So far, this sounds like a classic case of an electrified mist, as seen in many other time storms. And in our episode we did with the... Uh, Fordian mist? You got it, Fordian fog. But behind the smoke, Edith saw what looked like a futuristic helicopter start to appear. It was basically a large transparent bubble with military green and tan markings, like camouflage. Inside the bubble were two human beings wearing jumpsuits, like... Hanging with Mr. Cooper jumpsuits? <laughs> I would imagine like, like Sinbad jumpsuits? Sinbad. Sinbad. Yeah, Hang on, Mr. yeah, you're Cooper. thinking of Sinbad. I was going to say, he wore a tie. They, no, he, he wore a lot of jumpsuits. Well, he too. was a basketball guy. He was a coach yeah. too. Um, no, but... Cooper, hanging with Tom and get me high. Hanging with my man is such a high. There it is. Good to have a friend in most of our lives. What's my theme music? Uh, so, but no, jumpsuits meaning like, um, you know, like helicopter guys who fly Pil- helicopters. Pilots. pilots. They wear those those jumpsuits. Yeah, I know. Okay, continue. They were definitely just normal people. Okay? That's a weird thing to say about that. Oh, because well, so- she's saying that this thing looked like it was- Oh, like they, this, they were p- humans. It's a trans- yeah. yeah, it's a translucent aircraft, sort of futuristic right. looking helicopter with military sort of emblems. Nothing normal about them except that they were humans. Right. Okay. Mrs. Sage stared at this scene as she walked towards the shops and noticed a strange state that we recognize once again as the Oz factor. Quote, everything was muted. It was as if I was hearing things from inside something. Apart from this effect, and even after the helicopter arrived, a peculiar mist clung to the picket fence between herself and the object. There's the mist again. It smelt thickly and she went dizzy. What happened next may or may not be a real experience. It was visionary in nature and involved dreamlike events. It may simply be a hallucination. She heard the two men inside the helicopter talking, quote, inside my head, and saying, You said it would be all right. I know, I know, and it's all right. She thinks we are army. Ooh, weird. End quote. In other words, this was an impossibly overheard yet oddly rational conversation that conveys the impression of Mrs. Sage having accidentally stumbled across some sort of experiment to whose success her presence was considered a threat. In a daze, Edith reports how she walked down the alley, leaving the helicopter still there, bought her peas, had a conversation with a woman in the shop about a wedding, and went on with the day as if the incident had never taken place. Again, like what you mentioned earlier, like that, uh, just you just move on, you go back to sleep, yeah. that kind of thing. Indeed, as the hours passed, she quickly forgot all about it. The episode simply vanished from Mrs. Sage's mind, as a dream would do. So yeah, that was the account back from season two of the expansion. That's interesting. Just thought that was a, such an interesting account. I mean, who knows if that end of her strange account during this alleged time storm was more of a, of a hallucination brought on by the effects of the time storm. But uh, she did at least allegedly see this portal opening with this helicopter type thing, whether she heard these people in her mind or not. Yeah. It's interesting that it would, that they would say, she thinks we're army. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just a real interesting twist on that. 
you know, it's, if it's something from another time dimension or whatever, even a breakaway civilization existing alongside us right now, but they, you know, want to appear as us. The interesting thing there too is like, I just thought of this, but they're obviously accidentally saying things in her mind, accidentally having telepathic transformation. Is that part of the technology? Right. Is it just part of that field that was opened that accidentally there was that connection? Because if they were trying to do that, they obviously wouldn't have said she thinks we're army. She's overhearing their conversation. Yeah. It's interesting. I say, I say it's interesting. Yeah. Crazy story. And it's interesting time storms too, that she refers to it as these storms, um, energy fields and storms, just because like I mentioned earlier, NASA talking about the portals and the magnetosphere that connect us to the sun, mm-hmm. instantaneous transportation of electrons that creates magnetic storms. And these kinds of anomalies, this is interesting because you hear about the Bermuda Triangle and these kind of 40 and time storms, magnetic storms, people slip through. Is it a coincidence? It's not, dare I say. It's all real. The nodes of truth are piling up. Yeah. And there's much more to come, guys. So definitely sign up for the expansion if you have not and join us there. Take that portal trip. Yeah, plenty more stories, clues, and conjecture in the expansion. We're going to talk about strange people appearing inside the portals in the skies above San Juan, Puerto Rico. Portals to Sasquatch land, as I referenced earlier, this weird gully in Russia, the Golosov Ravine. We're going to break down that. There's so much bizarre phenomena. And what's really interesting about that is the the Boulder connection we talked about with Missing 4 and 1 yeah. and the fairies and stuff. When I heard about this ravine, and I heard about supposedly part of the story is to uh, peasants who fell in like the 16 or 1800s, fell down this gully and into this other world, into Bigfoot land. I wanted to know, I wonder if there were boulders there. So that's when I Googled the ravine and I found there's so much lore about it. And one of the major aspects to it is that it's lined with these several ton boulders. And at the bottom, they were worshipped in pagan times by pagans, uh, having magical properties. Fascinating. Just like we see in fairy lore, just like we see when it's connected to these disappearances in these areas. It's all connected, man. Yeah. So that's going to be really interesting, guys. Check that out. Yeah. Also, I want to talk about stick portals and Sasquatch folk magic. So if we have time, we'll we'll dip into that a little bit. You can bit. do whatever you want, Chris. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so that's all in the expansion, guys. So come over to the expansion and enjoy. That's right. Okay. And as promised, uh, we have a little clip from when we were all much younger, belief warriors here in the hole. Talk about a time portal. I don't know about much younger. It's only been a couple of years. <laughs> it is weird to listening back how younger we sound. I'm sure we sound different. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's like three years or something. Season one. So four years. I think much younger. I'm thinking like 10 or 15 years ago. I know. <laughs> I just feel like I sound uh, smaller. I just sound like my, my throat is half the size. I sound like a little child man. Maybe I do still. <laughs> no, I think you just get used to projecting more and doing it more often and you just it, your voice just the just, tone of it just sounds yeah. well here you'll hear we all sound younger yeah see if you guys can pick out who we are in this little flashback so this is a flashback to episode 13 and if you are an expansion member you have access to this archive first season it's rough and raw but it's definitely a lot of fun and what's the relevance here jer uh and this is when we first in our minds because a lot of people had this portal theory idea obviously but in our minds it first kind of naturally manifested because of a story I'd heard before that I try to recall here. And if this story sounds familiar to you and any of you guys know where the original story is, please send it to me. I've been searching it for years and I cannot find the story. So if you know what it is, send it to me. I'll give you a golden hug over the internet. A golden hug. Let's hear it. Roll it. Okay, here we go. You know what I think is interesting because there, there are topics I do want to cover in future episodes that tie in. Like there's that crazy story that I heard about the, uh, you hear about that jogger? that was witnessed, there was someone living in like a mountain home out in the wilderness, and they could see this commonly used jogging trail or hiking trail. It was a hiking trail. 
through the mountains. And they could see people hiking back and forth. And one particular day, she's looking out her kitchen window, washing her dishes. And this guy's walking around the corner. And coming around from the other side that he can't see is this ball of light that opens into this, what looks like a portal of some sort, some kind of like glowing oval-shaped object moving around the corner. And she's thinking, it's like one of those things when you're watching a movie and you're like, look out, there's something ahead. Don't go around that corner. You know, like you want to warn them. But she's just watching, and this guy's just hiking, and this thing comes around, swallows him up, boop, and he's gone. Where did you hear this? I heard on a- What are you talking about? This is just a story I heard, but it reminded me of all these stories about, like, missing 4-on-1, and that could potentially be explained by, like- People vanishing. These portals opening, or whatever they are, people just being grabbed by entities or or thinnies or slips in, in the universe, and people just disappear. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's kind of the opposite side of this this question. Like, instead of strange things entering our reality, the crazy numbers of unsolved disappearances that happen, especially in nature, in the parks, in the parks. Dude, and that's a whole. That's other a whole other episode. episode. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to do. it. We t- should definitely do a national parks missing show. Though. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, that, that would that actually maybe we should do that next. We could. I mean, that's there's definitely some incredible stories to cover I mean, when it comes to that stuff. that's a deep, deep rabbit hole yeah. of all the people that have gone missing or weird experiences that have happened in national mm-hmm. parks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to get... I've been meaning to to read some of David Polite's work because he has a few books out on that. Missing 411. Yeah, he was the one who kind of broke this phenomenon of undocumented disappearances or that are documented, but there's there is a strange air of conspiracy here when it comes to the national park system and the lack of paperwork regarding missing their massive amounts of missing people within the parks. So, and then we did, uh, and then we did it next. Our first missing four in one episode after that. Oh, wow. That was a while back. We were more rough back then. It is weird hearing us though. It's weird. The three of us being together now and listening to our, each three of us talking together. It's pretty meta. It is like a portal. It felt like, like Bill and Ted's, like it was the evil us's. <laughs> they were like earlier us's. Jeremy's like, and then, and then this hiker came out and the lady saw him. And then it's just like, oh, like in the movie when uh, you're like, look out. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I, did, I was not a fan of that part. <laughs> Fun playback. <laughs> Anyways. Well, that's a nice little flashback. Anyway, yeah. All right. Time to go. Stay tuned for your outtakes as per usual. Yes. There's even better episodes in the season one archive. So, oh yeah. Some of my favorites are in the season one. Men in Black, Black-Eyed Children, a lot of blackness going on. Yeah, which we should revisit later. Anyway. Can we do another Black-Eyed Children one? We could. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think we definitely should. We could even revisit some of the things that we covered in the first one, really. Yeah, because I feel like some of those early episodes, we did them in a dynamite way, and now they're just gone from people being able to find yeah. those topics. Was the Aleister Crowley Loch Ness, was that season one? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Aleister Crowley Loch Ness Monster, that was a really good one. Be done for doing some of those again, just... Slightly different way and yeah, get a new angle and yeah, just in the updated uh style. Awesome, so lots to look forward to, guys. Um, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that little weird little flashback. If you're still on YouTube, hit that like button, jam it, hit it, hit it now. Attention, all YouTubers, please hit the like button or we will be forced to explode your face. (laughs) That's right, like, subscribe. Thanks to everyone who leaves reviews. We're seeing those go up. We see them come in and they're super awesome. You're the true heroes. It's uh, super encouraging to see the, our growth with that. I think it really does help our visibility. So all of you who are doing that, we see that and we thank you so much. Speaking of thanking people. Oh, yes. We have some very special people to thank. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Let's do that now. 
All right, step right up to the hole and be thanked by us, Taylor Berry. Taylor! Taylor! Yay! The past has come back and upgraded. Yes. Sweet as can be. So glad you're here, Taylor. Yeah. Old school belief warrior. We love you. Thank you for everything that you are. Jason Prescott, yes. welcome to be here as well. Hello. Good to see you, my friend. Yes. Welcome in, sir. Take him on investigation. Yes. Okay, sure. Prescott Bush. <laughs> that as well as also. <laughs> Uh, uh, Sean Harmon is here. All right. Welcome to the whole Sean. Sean, you're my harmony. Yes. We're in harmony with you. Yes. And you with the whole. Yes. Paul Chippe, or Sheep, or Cheap. Hello, Paul. Yes. Welcome, Paul. <laughs> I do not know how to say your name, but it's an awesome name, Paul. Welcome yes. to be here, Paul. Thank you for your support, my friend. Yes. All the way from Kidbrook. That's Ooh. a good town. It's one of my favorite towns. Sounds like an Irish place. Placido J. Martinez is in the hole. Hello, yes. hello. Yes. Welcome to be here, Welcome, sir. Mr. Martinez. Welcome inside. Yes. It's wonderful to see Dive you. Dive deep. Matthew Rat Ratley. Matthew Ratley is hello. here. Welcome, Matthew. We've Matthew got some cheese for you. <laughs> okay. Ratley. You dirty rat. That doesn't sound very flattering. No, but I love rats. I actually thought about getting a pet rat. What time I do? Welcome in, Matthew. We love you. We love you so much. You're not a rat. You're an awesome man. And we appreciate your being, you being here. Lionel Vela yes. is here. Hello. Lionel? Yes. Or, yes. Is that how you yes. spell Lionel? Leonel. Yes. Leonel. Yes. Are you sure it's not Lionel? L-E-O-N-E-L. Welcome in Vela. I think that's Lionel. Lionel. Welcome in, Lionel. <laughs> Thank you for having us here today. I'm making your name up, but we're so happy to have you. Thank you for your You're awesome. Vic Rainey, welcome and thank you. Yes, thunderclap. Oh my gosh, this is a, this is the Skywheel that we oh, sure. wow. so I don't know if we just, just That's fine. He get, he get a little double. Yeah. Thank you for joining us in the skies. Skywheels live everywhere in the show. Yes. yes. So thank you for being here again, my friend. You are amazing. Magic man. Kathy Throneberry. That is wonderful. Throne Thank you berries? for making my yes. morning. She sits upon her throne and eats berries. Mm. Throneberry, nice name. She, does she consume a Taylor berry is the question. Welcome in, Throneberry. What a great name. Um, Carol Chris Jensen. Oh, that's a Scandinavian sounding name, I believe. Welcome to be she here. She signed up for the whole year, so she's in it to win it. Thank you so yes. much, Carol. You are awesome. We appreciate you. Elisa J. Cabana. Hello, hello. Hello, Welcome. sir. Uh, no, I think it's a female name. You're female. Oh, yes. <laughs> you're female. <laughs> usually, it's usually a lady's name. I'm not, Welcome in. Can't say yes. for sure, but we can say for sure that you're amazing because you're here. Thank you for your support. Either way, we love you. Yes. Uh, Valentino Maras. Maras. Sexy. Yes. Welcome, Valentino. Yes. <laughs> That's very aggressive. I didn't mean to trust <laughs> Welcome, Valentino. Sexy. It's great to have you, Valentino. You are a dogman yes. whisperer, and that yes. means you are extra yes. special and yes. extra. Sounds like you'd have yes. a cursed ring. Yes. You might. Michael Knotts, you tie Aww. me in a knot, my friend. Rope-a-dope. Rope-a-dope. Rope-a-dope, okay. What's <laughs> that from? I think it's like a boxing term. Oh, yeah, that's right. Keep him off the ropes. You don't want to rope-a-dope because if they get on the ropes, you get doped up, right? Okay, but he's not a dope. I no, don't know he's not. Just words that pop in our heads. Thank you so much, Michael. Yes. Uh, another Dogman Whisper, Megan. Yes. Megan Albaomi. Yes. That's my best attempt. You know, Megan's one of my favorite names. I'll just say that. Megan, you're so pretty. I love Megan friends. You mean a lot to us. We really... Yeah, that's super You're helpful. You're gorgeous. <laughs> Here we go. We can see your face through your name, and you are beautiful. <laughs> your face through uh, your name. <laughs> James L. Boyd is here, and we thank right. him. Oh, boy. Does you know a Gregory? Oh, Boyd. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm so excited, James. <laughs> yes. Welcome awesome. into the hole. Greg, yeah, that's an interesting name. I don't know if I read it all. It's 
Yeah. Just keep going. And also, thank you to welcome to be here, David Livshitz. <laughs> All right. Welcome, my friend. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Welcome to be here, sir. I know a lot of great Davids, including my father. So. And my middle name is David, so you're in good yes. company. And yes. Chris's middle name is Livshitz, so it all works out. Thank you to be here. <laughs> yes. Nikki Ford. That's a secret. Hello, Nikki. Nikki, oh, Nikki? what? That's a pretty name. Nikki Ford. Step on the gas. Ford? It sounds like a, either an author or a race car driver. Nikki Ford. Nikki like Ford. Ford. Yeah. yeah like the... But spell without the J, so Ford. I got it. Yeah. Anyways, thank you, Nikki. It's great to see you and your name. You're beautiful. Kristen Biddle. Kristen Biddle is here. Oh, oh don't be little <laughs> Biddle. That made, 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 made me giggle. Kristen Biddle made me giggle. Take a little Biddle. Yes. You want a little Biddle? A little a, that is a very adorable name. Yeah, Kristen, it's great to see Just you. Just a little Biddle. Thank you so much. Dogman Whisper, come and scratch at the door of the hole. Andrea Trinoga. Yes. Andrea Trinoga. I'm trying really hard. Thank you for joining us. Interesting name. Welcome to be here, Andrea. Welcome so much. Yes. Andrea. A-N-D-R-I-Y. Andrea. Oh, okay. Very exotic. I like it. Another Dogman Whisper, because we just, we get him here in the hole. Brandon Reber. Ooh. Ooh. Reber Ducky. Reber. Reber Ducky. Yes. Reber Ducky. Welcome, Brandon. It's so good to see you, my friend. A Dogman Whisper. His extra thank. Uh, Sean Hans? Nope. Sean Johnson is ah, here. Sean Johnson. That sounds like son a, of John. Like a very good, important name. It does. Sounds like a senator. Yeah, or like a football coach. Blagojevich. It sounds like a th- clothing designer. Blagojevich. <laughs> that was like John Stewart, like from a long time ago. Great impersonation. Renee Benitez, thank you for being here. Welcome in. Yes. Thank you for welcoming us to your Happy Sunshine bank account. Yes. Happy Sunshine. <laughs> just comes out of nowhere. Happy like, Sunshine to you. Like, tell us how we just popping out of this, the hole. Yes. Welcome in, Renee. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Jessica Arndt. Ooh, ooh. Well, aren't we happy to have you? Arndt? Yes, I think we are Arndt. Oh, okay. That's an interesting spelling and interesting name. And we're thankful to see you. We really do appreciate it. Happy yes. to have you. Cassandra Sabutka. 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 That sounds Russian. Sl- Slavic? Either Russian or German or Welcome. Japanese. Eastern European, Transylvanian, or Chinese. I don't know. Cassandra, we're just so happy to have you here. Yes, you're wonderful. I don't know names love. well. You're pretty. Dakota Jackson. Now, there is a horse rider name, if I ever heard it. Just a beautiful cowgirl. <laughs> Country Western singer. Yeah. And who knows? She could be a city girl, but I don't know. Dakota Jackson. Dakota that's pretty. Jackson. Yeah. But we're thankful to have Definitely her. Definitely a country girl. Yeah. Most likely gorgeous just because she's here in the hole. Like a very masculine jawline. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's that's your type. I like a <laughs> handsome woman. She's a handsome woman. No, we're not saying that about you, Dakota. We're joking. Yeah, we're just, looks we're don't just matter. Saying weird things, but she's probably that's great. That's a dumb thing to say. Probably beautiful. Like everyone in the hall, all the girls and men. Jules. Jules. All Jules. Right. Hi, Jules. Welcome you to be here. You are precious to us, Jules. You are Jules of the, of the finest. Sounds like Jules Verne, yes. I think. Yes. Oh. Could be a man. Maybe a great science fiction author. Yes. yes. And deep thinker. And also, thank you to welcome to be here, Alan Ramirez. All right. Welcome, Alan Ramirez. Welcome to be here, sir. Yes. A man of light and love. Mm-hmm. A dreamer of dreams. Yes. And a killer of evil. I think it's a killer of bees. A killer of bees. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Rhymes with that kind a of killer bee. And also, welcome to be here, Kevin Lee Valdez. Ooh. Swish, swish, sword slashes. I feel like he's a swordsman. Radio. <laughs> Radio. He sure is. <laughs> Welcome. Jolene Barnes or Barnes. Sure. I feel like we've done her before, but. Joe, we're saying Jolene, remember? <laughs> Sorry, okay, yeah. Close that barn door. 
close that barn door. I think we did that. <laughs> exact same thing. <laughs> Welcome in, Jolene. Welcome in, Jolene. If you get a second, thank you. You're that great of a person. Yeah. It just means you're extra special. Dingleberry hand pump. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, well, that's a wonderful name. Great. Uh, I hope that's your birth name. I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion his name is actually Dave. Dingleberry hand pump? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of the best names I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Welcome to be here, sir. We appreciate you. And your fun magic. Anyone who yes. wants to do a fun name, that's extra extra thank you for you. Uh, Johnny Mac, turn off that PC because you got a Mac boy. Yeah, turn into a pile of goo and slip under my door. Mac me up. Oh, Alex Mac. Good yeah. reference. Oh. Great show. Mac me up. Mac that's me good up. too. All right. I don't know what that means to do. Make you macaroni and cheese. Jason Western. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Thank you for having an easy last name. Nice to meet a cowboy, sir. Definitely an old West hero in my book. Thank you for being here. Danny Emmy Wally. Yes. That's Why a of, not? A lot of E's. A lot of Y's. Demi Emmy Wally? Yeah, but pronounced E. The, yes. You sound like, like a fun part. You're very phonetic, Jeff. Thank you for coming yes, here. Yes, we were so happy to have you. Thank you to have you. You made this place more fun. That was a fun name to read. Kimmy Sutton. Welcome to be here, my friend. Yes. Kimmy yes. Sutton. She's queen of the button. Cute as a button. That's queen of the button. That's better. <laughs> queen of the button. Seriously. Getting on a giant button. button. That's actually a phrase. <laughs> yes. uh, dry fire faith. Ooh, that sounds intense. Yes. Sounds dry like a, fire faith. Sounds like a band. Christian rock band or something. Yeah. Welcome to be here, dry fire faith. We are happy to have you. Yes. You might have seen that username on YouTube. Thank you for being here. And we love you. Corbin yes. Urich. Yes. That is a cool Corbin name. Corbin Dallas. Welcome to be here, sir. Big bada boom. We salute you. Yes. Ben Siegfried is here. Ooh, someone's gonna make it. Where's Roy? Yes, welcome in, Tiger. Thank you so much, Ben. Son of Tiger. We are happy to see you in the hole, my friend. Hang out anytime. Jennifer Gravier. Ooh, fancy. Oh, French for gravy? I thought of gravy too. I looked that up and it made and me very hungry. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Jennifer. I hope you said your name right. Welcome in. Joshua Bowen in the house. All right, look out for those airplane wings coming at you from the sky. Because that's a Boeing. Oh, it's close. Uh, Boeing Joshua set 47. Charles Bell. You're ringing our bell. My bell, sir. Ding a ding. Ding a ding a ding a ling. Ding a ding a ding. We'll just do bell sounds for a while. Charles, yes. You are awesome, my friend. Thanks, Chuck. Welcome to the whole Heidi Holmes. Oh, Heidi Ho, Heidi Holmes. Heidi Holmes. We're so happy to have you. I think she's even paying a little extra because she's extra generous. I feel like she'd be someone who's odling in the mountains. What is it called? Yodeling. There we go. I think she's solving mysteries in the mountains. Heidi Holmes and a yodeling. Hey, you guys. She's a cousin of Sherlock. Welcome in. We're happy to have you. Amy Stringfellow. That is wonderful. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh name? my, that'd be my tummy Amy's feel good. Just, she's like she's she's a yarn smith. She sells spools of yarn and strings. Thank you, that Amy. That are artisanal. I'll meet you at the Stringfellow down the street. Yeah, Amy Stringfellow. That is an amazing. <laughs> I have some name. stringing that needs done at the Stringfellows. Yes, thank you so much, Amy, for being here. Uh, Jamie McNair. All right. Is here. Welcome into the whole Jamie. Yes. Dive in deep. Hug for you. You give us flair, McNair. We love you. you and finally nice. for today, we love you so much and we welcome to thank you here. Uh, <laughs> Amy Nelson. Oh, we have relatives with Thank you to yes. welcome us. Yes, welcome to be here, Amy yes. Nelson. Yes. You are hugely appreciated and you have the last name of many of our old relatives from the old land. Uh, you're a wonderful friend and you're very attractive. <laughs> That's objectively true. You are amazing, and we just thank you all. Thank you all so much for your support. Yes. That's going to wrap it up for this week's Thank You Reads. If you missed your name, don't worry. It will be here next time. And don't forget, if you want to get jammed down into the next crazy portal, we're going to take into the expansion. There you go. Hop on board. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot guarantee your safety. That's right. Hop on a hairy Bigfoot bus. Because you're going to get jammed. You're going to get jammed on down into the hole. You're going to jam you up with knowledge and entertaining storytelling. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll, we'll see you next time on Belief Hole. Get it. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it. <laughs> That's like getting into the portal. You punch through. Punch it. Oh, I got it. A few moments later, the two boys emerge from the back room. A few months... A few months later... <laughs> a few months later, he woke up. A few months later, the two boys emerge from the back room. You're near a lock time. <laughs> What's well, a time portal? <laughs> Mommy unlocked the door and let him out. <laughs> Upon finding all the adults in the kitchen, aunt and uncle included, he near hysterically asks, quote, What happened? How old? It's <laughs> <laughs> like immediate. Like, how old is he? I'm assuming like I don't know, 10, maybe, something like that. Okay. 10 to 12. Tween, maybe? What happened to Tim? <laughs> Where is he? Where is Tim at? I can't well, see him what anymore. What happened to Tim? Where is he? <laughs> oh, jeez. Where's Tim, Mom? Where's Tim? <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it one more time. Okay. What happened to Tim? Where is he? Nice. That's pretty good. That huh? was good. Yeah. An award <laughs> shall be sent to your home. Award. <laughs> Best fake little boy goes to the bleep. <laughs> Best fake little boy. <laughs> Can that please be a t-shirt? What a weird shirt to see someone wearing. Best fake little boy. <laughs> what? I think if I saw that, it would just make my brain stop. Like, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah, it would definitely. Fake little boy. <laughs> I would think about it all day. A Pinocchio of sorts. Is that guy's shirt made? Best fake little boy of like 1998 or something. <laughs> the date after it. Must have been some weird contest. I don't know. Get so many weird looks. What's your shirt made? Here we go. Like there's that crazy story that I heard about God, the- God, uh, you do sound like a succulium. Right. You know about that jogger? That was witnessed. There was someone younger? living in like a mountain home <laughs> out in the wilderness. Like, and, they, and then this hiker came out and lady saw him, and then you know, just like, oh, like in the movie, when uh, you're like, look out! No. <laughs> I know. I, did, I was not a fan of that part. <laughs> Fun playback. <laughs> hey, hiker! I did not sound great. There's a there's someone to watch out for by, by the movie. I was just trying to make it, you know, relatable. It was uh, who is that guy? Norm Macdonald. Uh, hey, oh, yeah. hiker guy. <laughs> Uh, you might want to watch out for that portal out there. It looks pretty, it's by the birds. pretty deceptive. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that little weird little flashback. Weird little flashback. And uh, Jeremy's little boy. Yes, I sounded like a little child. You're good. Like You're a not child even man. a fake little boy. You're a real little boy. <laughs> you know what? We're going to send you Jer a little boy award. <laughs> okay. Comes back again. I don't know what that is. <laughs> now, now it makes it. sense. Remember we were talking about the fake little boy. Oh we're, yeah. We're, well, it won't make sense if that's an outtake. It'll be. Uh, it'll make sense after the fact. Well, that's true. Well, this will be there too. It'll all be outtakes. They'll figure it out. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Sincerely. Bye bye. Get out of here. Right, I'm hitting stop now. Cool.